0: Hi there. Thank you for choosing to listen to this sermon. We pray that God would use this as an added resource to benefit you in conjunction with you belonging to a local church near you. This sermon was preached at Central Baptist Church, Pretoria. 130 years of believers loving God, caring for one another and impacting the world. Friends, we're going to read from God's word. And hear an explanation from God's word. It's right that even before we do that, we bow our heads and ask that the Holy Spirit would work in our hearts and in our minds this evening. Let's pray. Father God in heaven, we do thank you for your word. It is faithful and true. And upon it, Lord God, we can stake our lives and build our testimonies. It is sufficient for all matters of life and godliness. And Lord God, in it we see Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. We are introduced to him. He is made real to us. And Father, for those of us who have put our faith and trust in him, our desire is to worship him in this life and then forever and ever in the life to come. We do ask, Lord God, even as we now look at 1 Corinthians chapter 14, would you renew our minds? Would you stir our hearts to new affections? Lord God, would you transform our lives that we would worship you indeed in spirit and in truth. These things we pray in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen. Well, friends, uh, I already said in the prayer that we are looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 14 this evening. We're not going to look at the whole chapter. It's quite a long chapter. Uh, We'll have to continue looking at it next week. But we are going to look at the first 19 verses of 1 Corinthians chapter 14. That's in your New Testament after the Gospels and Acts, Romans, and then 1 Corinthians. I think the shuffle of paper has ended. I'm going to read beginning at verse 1. Hear the word of God. Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men but to God, for no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies, Speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now, I want all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues unless someone interprets, so that the church may be built up. Verse 6. For manifestations of the spirit strive to excel in building up the church. Therefore, one who speaks in a tongue should pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. What am I to do? (laughs) I will pray with my spirit, but I will pray with my mind also. In the church, I would rather speak five words with my mind in order to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue, just so far in the reading of God's word. Battled a little bit to come up with an introduction to this evening's message, but I've, I've settled on introducing just three concepts to you As those who are sitting listening to this message this morning. And they are this they are doctrines that relate to scripture that we believe and teach at Central Baptist Church Pretoria. The the first doctrine is we believe in the inerrancy of the Bible. Tim? Amen. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) That the Bible is without error or fault in all of its teachings. Secondly. We believe in the sufficiency of Scripture. That Scripture makes the Christian, that's us even seated here this evening, that profess the name of the Lord Jesus Christ complete, perfectly and thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now, you might have heard the first two. I certainly pray the first two, in my prayers every time that I preach. So you would have heard me saying that the Bible is faithful and true and without error. You certainly would have heard me saying that it's sufficient for all matters of life and godliness if you've been attending the church for any length of time. So we're familiar with those first two. But the the third one is a, a bit of an odd word. We believe in the perspicuity of God's word. It really means the clarity of God's word that God's words are clear enough for the simplest person to live by, that they are deep enough for readers of the highest intellectual ability and that they are clear in all essential matters of faith and practice. Now we have an illustration of a church which held to these lofty beliefs in the book of Acts. We read about them in Acts chapter 17, verse 10 and 11. We read that Paul and Silas were sent away by night to Berea, it's a city in what we now call Europe. And when they arrived, they went to the Jewish synagogue. That was the regular practice. And we are told that these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They'd just been thrown out of the city of Thessalonica by the Jews who opposed the message of the gospel because they received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. This evening we will be speaking about the gift of tongues. My request to you, even as you hear the reading and then the teaching of God's word, is that you would be a Berean as you approach the subject. Examine your own experience. Examine what you have been taught in the past. Examine this preacher In the present, examine all these things against Scripture. And what is true, the word receive with eagerness. So with that said, let's go to verse 1 of 1 Corinthians chapter 14. It reads, pursue love and earnestly desire The spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. Paul begins chapter 14 with two commands. These aren't suggestions. The first is pursue love, and the second is earnestly desire spiritual gifts. Pursuing is an external grasping, and desiring is an internal longing. Reach out for love and long for the spiritual gifts, says Paul. Paul started writing about spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. He wrote that each person in the body of Christ is uniquely gifted. And that every member of the body is important for the right functioning Of the whole body. Paul wrote that we do not get all the spiritual gifts ourselves, and he closed chapter 12 by writing that he would show the church in Corinth a still more excellent way. That still more excellent way is love. And he speaks about that in the whole of chapter 13. Job we did a, oh, Daniel did an excellent job of uncovering that for us last week. This is patient and kind love. Not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude love. The kind of love that never ends. This is divine love. This is agape love. This is God-given and god glorifying love. And Paul closes chapter 13 writing that faith, hope, and love abide these three, but the greatest of these is love. Love is the more excellent way. Now, Paul returns to the topic of spiritual gifts. As the church in Corinth longs for spiritual gifts, that longing must flow from love. Love must fuel the spiritual gifts. Now with love in mind, Paul singles out prophecy. What is prophecy? Prophecy is the declaration of that which cannot be known by natural means. Let me repeat that. That's a great definition. Prophecy is the declaration of that which cannot be known by natural means. Prophecy is at times foretelling, the the revelation of what is still to come. But prophecy is always foretelling. Declaring God's truth to God's people in God's power. But why does Paul single out this particular gift from all the other gifts? What is it about prophecy that we must earnestly desire? Verse two, for one who speaks in a tongue Speaks not to men but to God. For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the Spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. The one who speaks in a tongue builds himself up, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Verse 5. Now I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues unless someone interprets so that the church may be built up. First, on verse two to verse five, note that the gift of prophecy is being compared to the gift of tongues. The word translated tongue throughout 1 Corinthians 14 is glosser. Glosser could mean the member of one body, the, the organ of speech, my tongue, or glosser could mean the language or dialect used by a particular people distinct from that of other nations. The gift of tongues, glosser, is the miracle of speaking in a human language the speaker has never learned let me repeat that definition the gift of tongues glosses the miracle of speaking in human language the speaker has never learned Glosser in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 where we are now is the same miraculous speaking in a human language that happened on the day of Pentecost. If you turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 2 verse 4, you would read the following. They were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other Tongues, that's Glosser, As the Spirit gave them utterance. And then again, a little bit later in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost, in verse 11, the crowd exclaims, we hear them telling in our own tongues, that's Glossa, the mighty works of God. Glosser in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, where we are this evening, is the same miraculous speaking in a human language that happened when Cornelius and his family were saved in Acts chapter 10. We read in Acts chapter 10 verse 46 that they were hearing them speaking in tongues, that's the word glosser, and extolling God, glosser in tongues. 1 Corinthians 14 is the same miraculous speaking in human language that happened when the disciples of John the Baptist were saved. In Acts chapter 19 verse 6, Paul laid his hands on them. The Holy Spirit came on them and they began speaking in tongue. That's the word glosser and prophesying. Here's the point. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 is the same word for tongue, the same word glosser as in the other places of Scripture. First, the gift of prophecy is being compared to the gift of tongues. Second, note the repetition in these few verses that we are looking at at the moment of the words build up. You can track with me in your own Bible, uh, verse three. It says, speak to the people for their up building. Verse four, the one who prophesies builds up the church. Verse five, interpret so that the church may be built up. Verse 12, strive to excel in building up the church. And then verse 26, let all things be done for building up Paul wants the spiritual gifts to build up the church now now this word build up translates the Greek word oikodoma oikodoma is a compound of two Greek words Uh, the first word is oikos and that means house and the second word is doma which means house (laughs) too Build up is an excellent translation conveying the idea of strengthening, the idea of edifying. Prophecy builds people up. It edifies them. And prophecy holds people up. It encourages them. And prophecy cheers people up. It consoles them. Whereas tongues, if not interpreted, does nothing to build people up, nothing to hold people up, and nothing to cheer people up. So first, as we look at these few verses, the gift of prophecy has been compared to the gift of tongues. Second, prophecy builds up. Third, note the use of tongues in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. From verse one to verse five is negative, whereas the use of prophecy is positive. This verse is not teaching the proper use of tongues that the church must follow. This verse is teaching the improper use of tongues the church must avoid. Friends, what is it about prophecy that we must earnestly desire? This text would teach us that the positive upbuilding, encouragement, and consolation that comes from understanding and declaring God's truth to God's people in God's power. Which spiritual gifts must we earnestly desire most? Spiritual gifts that build up our church. The obvious application of 1 Corinthians chapter 14 from verse 1 to verse 5 is that we must earnestly desire the spiritual gifts that build up our church. On Wednesday evening... I presented my study notes on 1 Corinthians 14 to the Arcadia Bible study. We meet in the coffee bar at about half past six. When I got to the end of verse five, I asked for feedback. Someone, and I'm not going to say who because that someone is here, um, seated at the back somewhere on that side, um, quoted verse two, kind of tongue in cheek for one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men but to God for no one understands him but he utters mysteries in the spirit and exclaimed but when people speak in tongues today they are not speaking in human languages that can be understood. No one understands him. They are uttering mysteries according to verse two. Guys, we are not so different to the church in Corinth. I imagine that when they got this letter and rolled it out and read 1 Corinthians chapter 14 from verse one to verse five, at the time they also thought to themselves, but when I speak in tongues, I'm not speaking in human languages that can be understood. No one understands me. I'm uttering those mysteries that you spoke about, Paul. And so Paul continues by giving the church in Corinth three examples of why the gift in tongues must be a human language that can be understood. And he uses his own teaching ministry as his first example. Read along with me in verse six. Now brothers, if I come to you speaking in tongues, How will I benefit you unless I bring you some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or teaching? If I, Paul, the apostle to the Gentiles, came to you speaking in tongues, there could be no more authoritative example than that. Paul had the authority to stand in the front of the church and speak in tongues until the cows came home. (laughs) Shabaka. (laughs) He could have gone on for hours. Have you seen Kenneth Copeland speaking in tongues on YouTube or Paula White on Daystar or Bishop T.D. Jakes on Faith TV, TBN? Take your eye off their negative example for a moment and look to the Apostle Paul's testimony of himself. He reminds the church in Corinth, when I came to you, you understood me. It was not shamala hamala. (laughs) When Paul spoke, it was revelation. When Paul spoke, it was knowledge. When Paul spoke, it was prophecy. When Paul spoke, it was teaching. The church in Corinth, always understood what he was saying he could remind them of that and call them to that just as Paul gave revelation knowledge prophecy and teaching that was understood so too the gift of tongues must be understood Paul is giving the church in Corinth Three examples of why the gift of tongues must be a human language that can be understood. Paul uses his own teaching ministry as his first example and he uses lifeless instruments as his second example. Verse seven, if even lifeless instruments such as the flute or the harp do not give distinct notes, how will anyone know what is being played and if the bugle gives an indistinct sound, who will get ready for battle? <laughs> so with yourselves. If with your tongue you utter speech that is not intelligible, how will anyone know what is being said? For you will be speaking into the air. I played the clarinet at school. The clarinet is a reed instrument. It's very difficult to play, at least it was for me. You you have to purse your lips in a very specific way and and blow in a very specific way to make a sound that is anything other than a squeak. If a child picks up a clarinet and blows into it, I can guarantee you it will make a squawk. But an accomplished musician can make the clarinet sing. The only reason one plays the clarinet or the flute or the harp is to convey meaning. When you start out, you practice for hours and hours until your first recital before your parents, and you play a song. It might be a simple song but it's a song that they can hear and appreciate even if you're not very good at the time. Distinct notes ordered and arranged convey meaning. Imagine a battle. Your army is ready to attack. So the the commander hands the bugle to a child that has never played the instrument in their life before and tells them to signal the advance. Absolute Confusion. The troops will not know whether to go forwards or backwards, left or right. But if a trumpeter puts the bugle to his lips and sounds the call, the men will spring into action and the battle will begin. We play lifeless instruments to be understood. So too, the gift of tongues must be a human language that can be understood. Paul is giving the church in Corinth three examples why the gift of tongues must be a human language that can be understood. And he uses lifeless instruments as his second example. And he uses every single language in the whole world as his third example. Read along in verse 10 in your own Bibles. There are doubtless, many different languages in the world and none is without meaning but if i do not know the meaning of the language i will be a foreigner to the speaker and the speaker a foreigner to me so with yourselves since you are eager for manifestations of the spirit strive to excel in building up the church english mandarin hindi spanish French, Arabic, Bangla, Russian, Portuguese, Indonesian, Zulu, Afrikaans. There are 7,100 languages in the world, and every single one of them has meaning. Every single one of them is spoken to be understood. I went overseas a while back to the Middle East, and I went to a market to buy a trinket for Liesl very difficult business interacting with people you do not understand. Uh, A few times, haggling for curios, I didn't know if the store owner was arguing with me, uh, agreeing with me, or pulling my leg. Same thing when Liesl and I went to holiday uh, to rural Mozambique. We went to an open market to buy food and clothing. The people were so friendly. But we had no idea what they were saying. They did not understand us at all. You end up smiling a lot and nodding your head a lot and showing them the money in your hand and hoping that it is enough and wondering if you are getting ripped off. (laughs) Loving the experience either way. Communicating is a battle when you do not know what they are saying and they do not know what you are saying. Paul ends this section by writing, so with yourselves... Since you are eager for the manifestations of the Spirit, strive to excel in building up the church, just like Paul's own teaching ministry must be understood, just like lifeless instruments must be understood, just like human languages must be understood. If anyone is going to speak in tongues, make sure that the church can understand and be built up. When is speaking in tongues not okay? When what we say cannot or will not be understood. An obvious application of 1 Corinthians chapter 14 from verse 6 to verse 12 is that it is inappropriate to speak in tongues if no one can understand what is being said. On Wednesday evening, I presented my study notes to the Arcadia Bible study. You already know, it's at half past six and it happens in the coffee bar just over there. When I got to the end of verse 12, I asked for feedback and the same person, Priscina, as last time, (laughs) quoted verse two again and says, for anyone who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men but to God. For no one understands him. But he utters mysteries in the spirit and exclaims, but tongues is a private prayer language. Not spoken to man, but to God. What I said to the group on Wednesday, I'm now saying to you, (laughs) please do not get mad at me. (laughs) Under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the Apostle Paul anticipates that objection. And he's going to answer that objection. So if you're going to pick a fight, take it up with the Apostle Paul after the service. (laughs) Read with me in verse 13. Therefore, one who speaks in a tongue should pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. What am I to do? I will pray with my spirit but I will pray with my mind also. I will sing praise with my spirit, but I will sing with my mind also. Can you see yet that the Apostle Paul shifts to the first person in these verses? I pray, my spirit, my mind, what am I to do? I will pray, I will sing. He's telling us about his own personal prayer life. To those that go into their prayer closets at home and have a private chinwag in the tongues of angels, Paul says, do not bother unless you can interpret what you are saying. You are wasting your time. The gift of interpreting tongues it's very closely related to the gift of tongues. The, the gift of tongues is the miracle of speaking in a human language the speaker has never learned. So too, the, the gift of interpretation is the miracle of interpreting a human language the translator has never learned. Paul is saying, if, if you are going to speak in a language, pray that you can interpret it. Else what's the point? You will not even benefit yourself. You are not confusing the enemy. (laughs) You are confusing yourself. Here's the problem. Paul says, If I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. It may be that Paul did not know how to speak a language of one of the many areas that he visited on a missionary journey. It may be that gifted by the Holy Spirit, Paul was given the miracle of speaking in a human language even though he had never learned it. Now he says of himself, never mind how wonderful it is to have that miraculous gift, it would be pointless, it would be unfruitful, it would be unproductive to pray in that language if I do not understand it. So what am I to do? He asks rhetorically. Well, if he had both the gift of tongues and the gift of interpretation, he could pray with his spirit and he could pray with his mind also. Paul seems adamant that speaking in tongues for the sake of speaking in tongues would not do him or you or the Corinthians or us any good. Whether Paul himself sang in tongues, I don't know, maybe he had a wonderful voice and a musical bent, um, or he had heard of others who were singing in tongues, I, I do not know. Uh, but they did not understand, and he adds an additional caveat. If I sing praise with my spirit, I will sing praise with my mind also. By this stage, you can see where Paul is going. It is if he has been to church services in our city, in 2023, the services where at some stage after the music gets slower and slower and the lights get dimmer. And dimmer, the worship leader encourages the crowd to raise their hands and their voices to the Lord in prayer. And as the crowd starts to mutter prayers, you begin to hear strange tongues filling the room as many people get swept up in the emotionally charged worship experience. It's as if Paul knows what is going on or what is going to go on. As if Paul is writing to the church in Corinth to address exactly this. Verse 16, read along with me in your Bibles. Otherwise, if you give thanks with your spirit, how can anyone in the position of an outsider say amen to your thanksgiving when he does not know what you're saying? For you may be giving thanks well enough, but the other person is not being built up. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. Nevertheless, in church, in church, I would rather speak five words with my mind in order to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. The word amen, amen, is our main. Uh, It means surely, truly, so it is, so be it, may it be fulfilled. You can't say so it is to a prayer you can't understand. Liesl and I bought a house in Pretoria last year. Before the sale went through, there was paperwork. For those of you who are students, you have no idea how much paperwork is involved in buying a house. Lots and lots and lots of paperwork. You set an appointment with a lawyer. And the lawyer steps you through the content page by page while you initial every single one until you get to the end of the document where you sign in full. Can you imagine arriving at the lawyer's office to discover that the document is written in tatawo, Tatawo is the least spoken language in the world. The Tanema language is only spoken by one person, Lenelel, Lalo, on the island of Vanikoro, in the southeasternmost province of the Solomon Islands. It doesn't matter how much the lawyer tried to convince you, you'd be unlikely, unwise, to sign your name on on the dotted line. That's Paul's point. While well, he is unusually spiritually gifted and clearly many languages by the Spirit he can speak, he wouldn't speak to them in a corporate worship service because no one would be edified. No one could, in good conscience, say amen. When is praying in tongues not okay? When what we pray, cannot or will not be understood. An obvious application of 1 Corinthians 14, 13 to 19 is that we are to pray privately and corporately in ways that can be understood. Here's the conclusion and it won't take long. How ought we to respond to the teaching this evening? First, We are to affirm that 1 Corinthians 14 is without error or fault in all of its teaching. Second, we are to affirm that 1 Corinthians 14 is written that you may be complete, perfectly, and thoroughly equipped for every good work. Third, we are to affirm that 1 Corinthians 14 is clear enough for the simplest person to live by. They are deep enough for the readers of the highest intellectual ability— and that they are clear in all of the essential matters. Fourth, be a Berean as you approach 1 Corinthians 14 and everything that I've said this evening. Examine your experience. Examine what you have been taught. Examine this preacher. Examine all of these things against scripture. And what is true, the word receive with eagerness. Fifth, make 1 Corinthians 14 about Jesus. Jesus would have you worship Him in spirit and in truth. Jesus isn't too interested in having you squabble over 1 Corinthians chapter 14, but he does demand your praise and your worship, and he would have it in the way that he is regulated in His word. And so discover from his word how Jesus himself would have you worship him and then worship him with abandon. Love him and praise him and celebrate him. May God, the spirit, guide us into all truth and guard us from error this evening. Amen. Let's close in a word of prayer. Father God in heaven, I do thank you for your word. It is without error, and it is true. And Lord God, it is sufficient for all matters of life and for godliness. You have not let us, you have not left us, unknowing how you would have us respond to you in praise and worship. Even this evening, Lord God, as we have gone through your word, I do trust that you would entrust it to our hearts, that you would give us understanding with our minds, and that you would be glorified in lives which are transformed to the praise and to the glory of your name. These things we pray in the name of Jesus Christ, in the power of the Holy Spirit, and to the praise and glory of our Father who is in heaven. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon. Find out more about Central Baptist Church at www.central.org.za